Our reading today is from Luke chapter 5. One day Jesus was standing beside Lake Gennesaret when the crowd pressed in around him to hear God's word. Jesus saw two boats sitting by the lake. The fishermen had gone ashore and were washing their nets. Jesus boarded one of the boats, the one that belonged to Simon, then asked him to row out a little distance from the shore. Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Row out farther into the deep water and drop your nets for a catch. Simon replied, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing, but because you say so, I'll drop the nets. So they dropped the nets, and their catch was so huge that their nets were splitting. They signaled for their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They filled both boats so full that they were about to sink. When Simon Peter saw the catch, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Leave me, Lord, for I am a sinner. Peter and those with him were overcome with amazement because of the number of fish they caught. James and John, Zebedee's sons, were Simon's partners, and they were amazed too. Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will be fishing for people. As soon as they brought the boats to shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. Here ends the reading. You know, I'm what uh, they often call a digital native. I was born in 1980, and I hardly remember a life before I owned a computer. I got my first computer when I was five years old, and um, I started programming when I was nine, uh, and I've been programming computers ever since. As I continue to do now, even as I do ministry um, as well. And I grew up in the time when at first I did what were called bulletin board systems where you could dial up with your phone and then later on the internet as it became popular. My generation, uh, right on the cusp between what they called Gen X and what they call the millennials, uh, sometimes called Xenial, that, that area between the two. Uh, my generation is known for playing on computers in elementary school and uh, inventing uh, the uh, all of the various emojis and, and uh, internet shorthand <laughs> that we use now. Uh, in high school, I worked for an internet company, and I had high-speed internet to my home before it was really common. And ever since then, I've been I've been online, and I've had things right at the touch of my of my fingers, right at the tip of my fingers. And the generation after me, my daughter's generation is so much more native to this digital life than, than even I am. And it's amazing. But one of the side effects of that, I think, is that I have very little patience sometimes. I'm very used to things happening right away. When I was younger, I would talk on the phone or I'd get online and chat with my friends, and I could chat with people all over the world instantaneously. Uh, I came to expect things like being able to stream videos, being able to purchase uh, first things like movie tickets and, and things, and later on things uh, books and items delivered to your house, and, and finally even my groceries online. But this pandemic 
has caused something very interesting, I think. It has caused the entire world to pause and take a break. Besides going to the doctor and going to the grocery store, um, I really haven't left my house in uh, a year. And almost a year. And uh, I've gone to see one friend in that entire year. (laughs) I've made one visit to someone else's house uh, in that entire year. Otherwise, I've just been home. I haven't been able to go to a physical church building in a year. I haven't been able to go out and do karaoke or um, go to the uh, to the pubs, um, if, if you will, to the to the wonderful restaurants we have around. I haven't been able to go to the zoo or to the park. Really, I haven't gone hiking or camping. I haven't seen a movie. The whole world just kind of paused for a year. And here in Japan, um, you know, we're we're supposed to get the the COVID vaccine in March, hopefully. They have to do a separate test on the Japanese population um, before they can be released here. And so I'm waiting patiently. But waiting patiently is not something that has come naturally to me. Certainly when I was younger, it was something I, I had a problem with. And I find that I'm often um, low on patience and, and short with people. And when I got into ministry, and when I got into uh, wanting to do a church start, one of the pieces of advice that I received, just about ministry in general, but especially about church starts, is that you have to be patient. That it takes a long time to get things going. That you know maybe you plan for a year or two before you even have a service that you have services with very little attendance for the first year or two after that. People who were really interested suddenly leave and new people come. Things seem to move extremely slowly. And again, for somebody who is used to having things right away, this is a, this is very difficult, a very difficult situation for me. But since moving to Japan, it's really something that I've come to embrace more of, and it's been it's been good. The reason I bring this up is because of our reading today. Our reading from Luke finds us on the shores of Lake Gennesaret. I'm I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. This lake is, of course, the Sea of Galilee. Um, well, maybe not of course, but it is the Sea of Galilee, and Luke doesn't call it that. Um, Luke had traveled in the Mediterranean, and he knew that that Galilee was not a sea, that it was a relatively small body of water. Uh, and so he called it, uh, correctly, I suppose, a lake. Um, and also, he used this term, which uh, is not used anywhere else uh, in, in the Bible to describe um, the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Galilee, except in Luke. <laughs> so I don't actually know the the history of this particular word, but that's that's the word he uses. But we find ourselves on kind of on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And this was a place where uh, there were fishermen. Lots of fishing was done. And Jesus is traveling because he's going from place to place and preaching and talking. And the people are pressed around him. He's so He's becoming so well known in Galilee that the people are coming to see him that he can't get away. He doesn't have enough space even to talk. And so he calls to Simon, uh, also known as Peter, 
This is St. Peter. And he asks Simon to, if he can use Simon's boat to go out onto the water. And so he goes out on the water just a little ways and um, begins preaching and, and, and teaching from, from the boat. And I'm told that this area, this section of the Sea of Galilee, has kind of a na- natural amphitheater because of the way that the shore um, is, is curved. And so he could be very well heard. So he gets out away and he's, he's teaching. And when he's done, he tells Simon to go out into the deep water again and throw down his nets. This is really interesting for a couple of reasons. Um, one is this, this same interaction with, with Simon and uh, the sons of, of Zebedee and Andrew, who is not mentioned in this text, um, but is Simon's brother. The, the, same, the same interaction happens in, in Mark and Matthew also. But in Mark and Matthew, it's much, this, this thing with the fishing is not involved. And it's much more, um, it happens much earlier in the, in the story, and it's, it's much in the narrative, and it's much more abrupt. Jesus says, Jesus seems to come upon these, these two fishermen, Simon and Andrew, and says, you know, leave your fishing boats and come and follow me, and they just do. There's no, there's no, like, there's no, there's no explanation of why they decided to do that. And then they, they convince the sons of Zebedee um, to come along as well, and those are the first four of Jesus' apostles. So in Luke's telling, the story happens later in the narrative, and we're already into chapter 5. And right before this, in a section that we didn't read as part of our our lectionary reading, we have uh, an event where um, Jesus heals Simon's mother, who is uh, very ill with a fever. So Simon already knows Jesus at this point. This isn't Jesus coming up along upon somebody, some random fisherman. This Simon is somebody who is, who is known of Jesus in the community, who has heard about his preaching, who has seen him do miraculous things, who has witnessed uh, Jesus healing his, his own mother. And now we have this, this event where uh, he goes out and pulls up these fish. So there's all of this um, experience that Simon has before he decides to follow to follow Jesus. And so this makes a little more sense, I think, in the narrative than just saying that one day Jesus was walking along and saw two fishermen and say, hey, you, come follow me. And they did. Um, there's, a great, there's a great scene in The Simpsons. There's a, there's a Simpsons episode where, where uh, there's a guy named L.T. Smash who is starting a boy band to do subliminal messaging to make kids join the Navy. It's a great episode. And, but at one point, uh, Bart confronts him and says, you know, you know the subliminal, you know what? And he says, yeah, we have, we have three levels. Subliminal, liminal, and superliminal. <laughs> and he says, "What's superliminal?" And he said, "And he goes, watch this." And he goes to the to the window, opens the window, and he goes, "Hey, you, join the navy!" <laughs> and the guy yells at it. It's like, "Okay, sure," and gets on the bus, right? And and so I think when I think of the story in Matthew and Mark of Jesus coming upon Simon and Andrew and being like, you know, drop what you're doing and join me, I kind of think it like I see it like that. But in Luke's telling, it, it makes a little more sense. Simon already knows Jesus. Simon has already had Jesus do these these amazing things for him, and now he witnesses this this event, this this um, miracle with with a fish, and you know the idea that Jesus knows Simon before this also explains why Jesus asks Simon to use his boat 
to go out and do the preaching. You know, Simon would have been okay with this because he knew who Jesus was. So I think that's interesting. It's also interesting because I, I in kind of reading some background on this this verse, I learned that the, the way that they fished in the Sea of Galilee at the time was kind of interesting. What they did is they had two boats that would go out on the water and they would take a net and they would string the net between the two boats and drop it into the deep into the deep water and then pull it along with the boats. And that would kind of scoop up fish between the boats and then they would pull the nets up and there would be fish in the in the nets. But they couldn't do it during the day because the fish would see the nets. And so they did it at night. They went at night and did this so that they would catch the fish when they couldn't really see the nets. And so here we get Simon's comment where he says, Master, we've worked hard all night and caught nothing. So they've been out all night fishing and they haven't caught anything. And as we're working, you know, hardworking people, spending a night working and then having nothing to show for it is is really bad. I mean, it's it's, it's it really hurts. It hurts you, kind of emo, um, emotionally and 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 from your morale perspective. But it also hurts financially because you still have to pay your your assistants, your your workers, because um, Simon is definitely not the well probably Simon is probably not one of the poorest of the fishermen because he owns the boat so he's he's hiring other fishermen to help him um, as far as we can tell and so maybe he has to pay his workers you know he doesn't have any anything to sell at the at the market today you know he's in kind of a bad mood he's had a hard time it is what it is I mean fishing is sometimes it's great and sometimes it's, you have a hard time and that's part of part of the life so when Jesus tells him, go out and drop the nets, you can hear it in his voice, this, this, this um, frustration, like, Jesus, we've, we've been out fishing all night. But he says, but, you know, because you've said so, I'll do it. And so he goes out and he does it, and he pulls in this huge catch. So many fish that he can't do it, uh, take it up by himself, so he has to call his other boat over to help him pull the net out of the water. Because he didn't expect to catch anything, you know, he only went out with just the one boat, he wasn't expecting to catch anything, they had been fishing all night. So he was surprised by this. And his net is so full that it's about to break. And they they bring the fish in. And upon seeing this miracle, Simon's uh, response is to fall down on his knees and say, please, Lord, leave me. Go away, because I'm a sinner. And here we see a, kind of a callback to um, to the, the, the scene of John the Baptist's uh, father, who uh, was working in the temple and was approached by the, by the by the angels and said, you know, I am an un, you know I'm an unclean I'm, I'm a man with unclean lips living among a people of unclean lips. You know, so he, so in these moments of of uh, direct connection with uh, someone uh, so much more uh, holy than you are, if you will. Than, than this person, then that person's reaction is is one of awe, but also one of fear, and one of like, why you know I'm not worthy to be here. Why are you bothering with me? Because often it's it's easier for us to believe that we're not worthy than to believe that we are worthy. I think. But Jesus' response to Simon when he says that is, "Don't be afraid." From now on, you will be fishing for people. And when they get the boats ashore, Simon and his brother Andrew and the, the Zebedee brothers um, 
leave everything they have on the shore, including this, these nets full of fish, apparently, um, and follow Jesus. And there's a lot that you can pull out of this story. There, I think there's like three or four good sermons in this one little passage. Um, but the one I want to focus on today and why I bring this up, it was this, is this frustration. It, it's so easy to become frustrated with people. It's so easy, especially when you are someone who, when you feel that you, you have a lot of knowledge or experience or expertise in something, it's easy to become frustrated when people don't seem to understand or when somebody comes along with no history or experience and tells you that you're doing it wrong. This is what we see, um, kind of, with, with Simon. But Simon, his credit, he, he complains, but then he also does it because he trusts Jesus. He's seen Jesus do miraculous things in the past, and he, he's heard what Jesus has said. And so he believes that if Jesus is telling him to do this, there must be a good reason. And so he does it anyway, even though he's frustrated about it. You know, when things don't go the way we expect, we often look for a logical explanation. Here, here was um, Simon out fishing all night, hadn't caught anything. Maybe he, you know, did it wrong. Maybe, maybe he made a mistake. Maybe God was punishing him. Maybe, 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 all these things. But it doesn't seem like you know, Peter has any, any, he's guilty of any of these things. He doesn't seem anything wrong. It doesn't seem like he, he hasn't done anything wrong. It's, you know, it's just a bad day for him. And so here he is getting frustrated. And then Jesus comes along and, and says, do this now. And he does it. And it's, and it's turns out to be completely different from what he was expecting. There is another uh, thing in here that, and, you know, this, there's a, there's a um, this, this verse, this, this passage is often used to talk about evangelism in the church, to talk about going out and, and building up the church and building up um, the Christian community and talk about we're going to make you fishers for people. And I think, if, if, I think this, this passage can definitely be used in that way. I mean, certainly Jesus says, you know, you'll be fishing for people. But I think just saying that, that Jesus is telling us to go and fish for, for people is, is missing the point of, the, of this. I think there's two important points. One is that Jesus meets Peter where he is. You know, throughout Jesus's ministry, he, he speaks to people from the perspective that they already find themselves in. So when he speaks to fishermen, he talks about fishing. You know, when he speaks uh, to the woman who's, who's waiting at the well, he talks about water. You know, when, uh, when he speaks to uh, the, the, the hungry, he talks about bread. You know, he uses, he uses words and, and phrases and language that meet people where they are and answer the, the questions they have directly without using flowery explanations or long discussion topics or anything. You know, um, he speaks the language of, the, of, the, of each person that he talks to. And the second point is that he tells Peter, from now on you'll be fishing for people, right after Peter has had this frustrating experience, right after Peter has had these failures, going out overnight, not catching anything. How many times um, in our own 
religious experience and our own spiritual life in our own evangelism, how many times have we met with frustration and disappointment? You know, people often don't fit into our ideas of, of our, our own goals, our own timelines. You know, we want really, really badly for, for things to happen along our, our designs and our plans, you know, but if they don't, sometimes they don't. Sometimes things take longer. Sometimes things don't happen. Sometimes people have other uh, things that are more important to them. And so they put your needs to the side. Sometimes people just forget or are unreliable. Sometimes um, God just works in God's own time that's different from, from how we experience time. And that can get really frustrating. And there can be anger and there can be fear. There can be frustration. There can be depression. You know, if you really want something, if you were really looking forward to that raise, if you're really looking forward to seeing your family in person and you're not able to, you can become depressed, you can become angry, you can become frustrated. And yet, what this passage tells us is that we have to have faith that in the end, things will be, will, will work out the way they're supposed to work out, um, as they did for Peter. And Peter was so moved by this interaction with Jesus that he gives up all of his possessions and, and goes to follow Jesus. He gives up his, his job. He gives up his, his things, his boat, his fish. He uh, gives up so much to become a disciple. So I guess my point is that despite this pandemic, and despite the fact that we've all had to slow down, we've all had to take a year off as much as we could. Some of us couldn't. Some of us had to work. Some of us had to do things, had to be working with those who were sick and, and those who were who needed support. Some of us had to be uh, at jobs that were essential. But nonetheless, the world as a whole has taken this break for this year. And it's going to continue for at least a few more months, at least if not longer. Take this time to pay attention to yourself. Pay attention to your own emotions, your own morale. Or how are you feeling? Are you getting frustrated? Are you getting depressed? Are you getting angry about things that you can't control? Then hear what Jesus said. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Trust in God. Let it go. And do all you can do to make the world a better place. Do all you can do to take care of those who you care for and you love and you, the strangers that you meet who are also your neighbors. But sit with that. Sit with that uneasiness of things not being exactly the way we want them and realize that you're not alone and that God is there with you and that things will happen in their own time.